There's a spirit at Bryan Health, a passion that says we can make it better, stronger, to raise our kids, to build our future, to move forward together. It's time for another Bryan Health podcast. Here's Melanie Cole. Probably the scariest word in the English language is brain tumor. But with the advent of so many new and exciting therapies, the words brain tumor do not necessarily mean a terrible outcome. My guest today is Dr. Benjamin Gelber. He's a neurosurgeon with neurological and spinal surgery. Dr. Gelber, before we begin, tell us a little bit about the brain anatomy to help us understand how a tumor can affect the function of the brain. Well, the brain, of course, is enclosed in the skull. So that's a closed box with a hole in the bottom for the spinal cord to come through. So the first thing is that if you have something growing inside the skull, it basically has no space. That can cause sometimes headache, although that's not that common. And as pressure, increasing pressure occurs on the brain, it can cause drowsiness and even coma. And of course, in the worst case, it can cause death. Also, anything growing in the brain may irritate the brain and that can cause seizures. Tell us a little bit about what a brain tumor is and what the difference between malignant and benign. When when you spot a brain tumor with someone, are they all brain cancer? Definitely not. Some brain tumors are malignant and many of them are benign. The benign ones have long names like meningioma, schwannoma, etc. These are tumors that don't actually arise from brain tissue itself, but they arise from Uh, either the covering of the brain or covering of some of the cranial nerves. Many times those tumors can be uh, removed completely with a complete cure. On the other hand, we do have tumors that arise from the brain substance. They usually arise from the cells, which are called glial cells, and these are the cells that hold the uh, nerve cells together, and these are called gliomas, and they come in uh, various types of aggressiveness, the most aggressive being very malignant and the least aggressive being relatively benign, although not perfectly benign. And the reason these are malignant is not because they spread to other parts of the body like cancers do, but because they send roots into the brain and it's surgically impossible to remove every last cell and affect a cure. So these are the malignant ones. The third category are the tumors that arise elsewhere in the body and spread to the brain. A lung cancer, a breast cancer, thyroid cancer, uh, and kidney cancer, any of the, and colon cancer also, all these can spread to the brain and cause the similar problems as to the other type of tumors that uh, I just mentioned. Are there any risk factors? And you mentioned a few signs and symptoms. Dr. Gelber, fatigue, headaches. People get headaches and right away, that's the first thought. Oh, do I have a brain tumor? Tell us some of the risk factors. Who might be at risk and what signs and symptoms you might look to that would say, yes, we need to check more of this out? Well, first thing I have to say is headache is not actually a common um, symptom in brain tumor. It does occur, but it's not the most common symptom. The chance that any particular headache is due to a brain tumor is, is very small. So that's really not the first thing you ought to worry about if you have a uh, headache. What I have um, used as a guideline over over the years seeing these patients is that they all have something that you can see on their neurologic exam or that you can understand as being real from their history. 
For example, if somebody comes in with weakness or paralysis of one side of the body, that could be from a brain tumor, although it could be from a stroke also. If someone who's never had seizures before and is an adult has a new seizure, that may very well be a brain tumor. If they have a visual defect which persists, that could be a sign of a brain tumor, although, again, it could be a sign of a stroke. So anytime somebody comes in with something specific that you can really observe or understand from the history they tell you, then uh, I think it's important that they could be evaluated for brain tumors more um, carefully with scans, etc. As far as risk factors, well, since I said that um, cancers can spread to the brain, somebody's a heavy smoker, they certainly have risk for lung cancer that would spread to the brain. If somebody has a history of breast cancer uh, or colon cancer and they come in with symptoms of this sort, they should be screened for a brain tumor. Thyroid cancer, although it does spread to the brain, is, is very rare for that to spread. So that would be uh, less common. Then how do you diagnose it? And you mentioned scans. Once you've diagnosed, are you staging it? Tell us a little bit about what the process is. If someone comes to you and you say, yeah, we're going to look for this, what happens then, Dr. Gelber? Well, we'll get a scan, either a CAT scan or an MRI scan. And if the scan shows something growing in the brain, then the decision has to be made about how to best to make the diagnosis and the treatment. Many times from the scans, we can do both. We can look and say that uh, this particular tumor is outside the brain. It's on the edge of the brain. It's pushing the brain out of the way. The term for that is extraaxial tumor, and it's probably a benign meningioma. If that's the case, we usually do surgery and remove it. If we see a tumor that's arising within the brain and uh, distorting the brain, and especially if we think that there's a reasonable chance it's going to be malignant, meaning that we can't cure it with an operation, we may just do a biopsy and using our computerized uh, image guidance, place a needle through the skull into the tumor, take out a small piece of it, and then give it to the pathologist to look at under the microscope, and they can usually make the diagnosis. If the tumor growing within the brain is so big as to cause a lot of pressure on the brain, then we might do surgery rather than a biopsy in order to relieve the pressure. But if the tumor is growing in an area that we call an eloquent area, where removing it would cause terrible disability, then we often will not do surgery for that. For example, you wouldn't want to remove a large tumor from someone's brain if it's going to leave them unable to speak. How interesting. So how do neurosurgeons get accuracy when surgically removing a tumor? Is there really exciting equipment that you're using? Speak about some of the novel treatment therapies and what you feel is on the horizon as far as combination treatments, chemo, radiation, stem cells. What are you looking to, doctor? We for the past almost 20 years now, have been using what's called uh, computerized image guidance. We can take a CT or an MRI scan and place it into a device which allows us to track our instruments on a computer screen. And so we can see if we are working within the tumor, if we're getting to the edge of the tumor, if we're getting close to normal brain. We've had that for about 20 years, and that's been very helpful. There are places that are using scans during the surgery, 
like such as intraoperative MRI, to see how much tumor, is, say, is left over so that we know whether we can terminate the surgery or whether we have to continue. We've actually done that here at Bryan, although the device we had was kind of cumbersome and uh, it's now been superseded by better devices. Also, if we have discovered at surgery that the tumor is highly malignant, we can place chemotherapy directly onto the tumor at surgery, and that has been shown to increase the uh, survival. Not as much as we'd like, but it does help. Chemotherapy is not really generally that uh, effective for brain tumors, but there is one drug called Temadar, which has been uh, used for several years, which does seem to help quite a bit. We have our gamma knife, which is a focused radiation device, and that can be used for tumors uh, in the sense of the, or in the case of the malignant tumors that I just finished talking about. We really don't know if giving a dose of radiation in addition to the surgery and chemotherapy helps, but it doesn't seem to do any harm, so we've done it on uh, on many occasions. In the case of certain benign tumors, such as meningiomas or schwannomas of the eighth nerve, depending on the location and on the condition of the patient and on the size of the tumor, some of these can be treated with uh, focused radiation and can be stabilized or managed without doing any surgery at all. Isn't that fascinating? Dr. Gelber, wrap it up for us with what you would like the listeners to take home from this segment, what you want them to know about brain tumors, when not to worry, when you feel it's important to see a neurologist or a neurosurgeon, and and what you think is exciting in the future. Well, brain tumors are, are rare. And so if you get a headache, the first thing you should think of is not a brain tumor. If you've had headaches chronically or intermittently for years, if you have a history of migraine and you have a recurrence of the similar headaches that you had before, the likelihood that that's a brain tumor is very small. On the other end of the spectrum is if you or a loved one has a new onset of seizures, then that needs to be evaluated for brain tumors. As far as the future, and we've been doing this in spine surgery, and we have a uh, robotic device we use in spine surgery for localization and placement of stabilizing hardware in the spine. We're using the robot for what we call deep brain stimulation, which we use to control tremor in the brain. The point is that the robotic devices allow us to very accurately localize and get to a specific area in the brain We're not using that yet for brain tumors, but uh, it won't be long before that's coming. And then finally, there's software which can be used with MRI scanner, which allows us to visualize the tracts within the brain. This is essentially the wiring of the brain, which connects one part of the brain to the other. And by knowing where these are, we can plan a way to get to tumors without disrupting the uh, function of the surrounding brain, or at least disrupting it as little as possible. Fascinating, Dr. Gelber. Thank you so much for coming on today, and you're such a good educator. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us and explaining a little bit more about brain tumors. And thanks to our Brian Foundation partner, Davis Design. This is Brian Health Podcast. For more information, please visit brianhealth.org. And if you'd like to learn more or hear more Brian Health podcasts, please visit brianhealth.org slash podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.